Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Hey, nice pants, by the way. He, he if you know Josh, he, he's constantly in short pants. And, uh, it, you know, he's... He's constantly wearing short pants, and so today he's walking a little funny because he's got long pants on. But, uh, <clears throat> it's awesome. It's great to see you guys. I hope you're having a great morning. Man, what a great time in worship, just in, in God's presence. You know, our goal every Sunday is that you walk out of here saying, I met with God. I met with God. And I, I hope you did. I hope you have. And if you haven't, you're going to, in just a few moments, um, hear God's word and he's going to speak to you today, and I want you. To, I hope your heart is prepared to receive, and uh, I hope that you aren't too discouraged by your t- team losing or or winning. Or um, and and you know, I'm I'm very sad that the Seahawks aren't there, but they didn't deserve to be there this year. So uh, okay, I'll just admit it. All right, but um, we're going to have a great time this morning, and um, I'm very excited about our next series called Creed. And, and that series is going to start next Sunday. So um, be ready for that and start inviting people. Creed is all about the Apostles' Creed and what we believe and why we believe it. And so we're going to talk a lot about the, 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 the fundamentals of faith in our hearts and our minds. And um, I'm excited about it. It's not, I promise you, it won't be boring. It'll be a great experience. And most importantly, there's a generation of, of people out there that do not understand why we believe what we believe. They're just against what we believe. And most of those people only experience the church in when we're protesting something, not what we're for. And so they need to hear what we're for. We're for great things that God has for everyone's life. We're for great, great things that God wants to do in everyone's heart and mind and spirit. We're for the salvation of souls and keeping them from hell and going to heaven. Amen? And so there's, <clears throat> there's a lot more things that we stand for that are good than the things that we stand against. And I think that's really, really important. We're in a series right now, and this is the last week of that series called All In. All In. And I hope you are all in. All into Jesus, all into walking with him, all into his church, all into the cause and purpose of, of what the church is all about, which is to reach people for, the, for, the, for gospel's sake. And uh, we've talked about the first week on January the 8th, we talked about the predicament of the lost, the terrible circumstance that the lost is in right now. There are people out there that don't know Jesus, that are on their way to hell, that don't have a clue that they're on their way to hell. They don't have an, an understanding that the enemy, the devil, has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and they are lost. And I know those aren't popular terms or comfortable terms or terms that anyone likes to be defined by, but it's the truth. And our job, our role as, as a church is to enlighten and to help people, and I'll talk more about that in just a minute. At, uh, last week we talked about it's not about us. It's not about our preferences. We talked about the autopsy of a church that's dying. And what's discovered is that there's two things, two primary things that cause churches to die. One is that we become about ourselves, that we say it's more about me than it is about the people that need to be reached. And it's not true. It's not about us. And the denial, 
The denial that the church is ineffective. And I won't deny that we could be ineffective, but I believe that Journey is on its way and is being effective in touching lives and reaching people for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And today, I want to talk about three things that every church person, every Christian must be invested in. Must be invested in. And have you ever heard the term, man, he's really invested in that thing. He's really invested in that thing. He's given himself, or she's given herself to that thing. That, and, and many of you have little causes that you live out in your life. You are so invested that if that was ever taken away from you, you'd feel lost. You'd feel like, what is this all about? What's life? I lost what I'm all about. Because you're so invested in it. And one of the things, one of the reasons you're so invested in it is because not, not just because you're going to get a return, but you're concerned about the return. Is what I'm investing in going to have a return and is it going to benefit me as well? Now, again, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about the return for us. It's about the return for the kingdom. It's about the return for the result that will help people know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and help others know about Jesus. That's the return. If there's a a church that's effective, it's a church that's doing everything it can to reach people and help people know Jesus. And when they know Jesus, then we help them help others know Jesus. It's an amazing cycle that should be happening and is happening in many respects. And so today I want to talk to you about three things that all of us should be invested in. Every church that wants to succeed must have these three things going for it. Every church requires people who are near to God to invest and invite people who are far from God to know Jesus. We need people who are near to God to invite people who are far from God to know Jesus. Every church requires volunteers who give their time to serve and use their gifts for God. Every church requires that. There's not, we could not do this just me doing something, it requires every one of us to serve and get involved in the cause of Christ. Amen? All right. I know this may seem like I'm preaching to the choir, but the choir sometimes gets a little comfortable singing. Every church requires people who are faithfully and obediently tithing and generously giving. Every church requires people who are faithfully and obediently Tithing and generously giving. So three investments. Three investments. Everyone must invest their time in people, inviting, investing and inviting. Every church must invest their time in serving, getting involved, being part of what is happening, being a part of making things happen. And everyone must become obedient. We must invest in tithing and generosity. When we do that, I guarantee you the church will explode. The church will be successful. The church will move forward. The church will continue to to reach its community and the world that we live in. And so let's take a look at each one of these. Investing and serving. Now understand, investing is important. When I was young, I'm still young, but when, when I was younger, when I was younger, I had... Lots of opportunities to invest. I had a friend come up to me and say, hey, I just invested in this little coffee company. I was in Seattle. 
I lived in Bellevue, which is right next to a small company called Starbucks. And I said, I can't afford to invest. And I didn't. Then somebody came up to me and said, hey, there's this upstart computer company. And if you get into this, man, it, things are going to change. And I'm like, I can't afford to invest in Microsoft. And I didn't. And look at them now. And had I. I mean, isn't it true that many of us live in this kind of had I invested? I wished I would have invested. I wished I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And we had opportunities, but we couldn't see our way to do it. And so we didn't. Instead of sacrificing and making a, 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 and kind of taking a gutsy step and saying, okay, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice this to get that so that in the future I could do this. And so we hesitate to invest, but investment is necessary. And especially when we talk about kingdom principles. And when I say kingdom, I'm talking about when we invest in the things that God brings our way. When we invest in the church, we see that we are investing in things that are eternal. And not temporal. Not now. But forever. That's the value of investing in the church. It's a forever investment, not just a temporal investment. And so when we talk about investing and serving, let me read a passage of scripture to you. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so it's very simple, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but the idea of use whatever gift, that, the Greek word for that is charisma. It's the same word we use for charismatic or spirit and, 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 and being spirit-filled. And it's a grace given by the gift of God, by the Spirit of God. And we need to use that gift because when it's used, it's empowered by the Spirit. And it makes a difference. Churches that don't have a lot of volunteers are weak. And churches that don't have everyone volunteering, there's a problem. Because when we are not all in, we are not all in. Does that make sense? When not everybody is all in, that means that we're not all in. And that creates a debilitation, a, a disability, if you will, because part of the body isn't functioning. There's a whole theology around that that we don't have time to get into, but this whole idea of taking our gift and serving others or ministering, the, the literal word serve is minister, that means effective ministry happens when the entire body is ministering to each other. And to others outside these walls. When we are doing the very thing that God has called us to do and gifted us to do and empowered us to do, then we are most effective in doing the ministry. That's why every church requires that its church, that the body of Christ is all involved. That we're all in because we're all in. And when that happens, there's a dynamic, there's a synergy, there's a power that comes about because we're all working in the Spirit, gifted by the Spirit to do great things for God. And when that happens, it's incredible. 
And so each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says this, so Christ, gave him, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, he gave those four, or that group of people, to equip his people for works of service. That's my job description. I'm a pastor teacher. And so my role is to equip the church for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Sometimes we ignore that very last statement, but listen to this last statement. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The goal for you and for me is to collectively become the fullness of Christ. If we are Jesus to this world, we collectively become that to this world, then we are going to affect change in this world. Over 2,000 years later, we are still talking about Jesus. We're still seeing Jesus make a difference in people's lives. Why? Because Jesus makes the difference. And if we will give ourselves to becoming like him collectively, then we are going to do great things for him. But it requires that all of us, all of us invest in serving. I want to encourage you. Pastor Josh just showed us that we can get on the app. And if you get on the app and you go um, to the app and you look at um, where can I join a crew? Join a crew. That's our serving groups. Hit join a crew. And you're going to get a list, a myriad of opportunities to be involved in making this place a great place on the weekends and during the week and, and reaching our community for Christ. There's so many different opportunities to get involved. And I want to encourage you right now, do that. Go look through those, not right now, but go look through those and then find a place and then hit join. And when you hit join, it's going to take you to a little form. Fill out that form and you're going to find the leader connecting with you to get you plugged in. Let's get everybody investing in serving. Investing in serving. Don't be satisfied. I hope and pray that we create a culture where it feels bad if I'm not serving. We don't want to guilt anybody, but we want you to feel guilty. (laughs) I mean that respectfully. Invest in serving. Invest in inviting. Invest in inviting. Most companies are best grown by word of mouth. Marketing, direct marketing, direct mail, all these kinds of things are crazy tools that lots of companies use to get the word out. But you know what the response rate is on that? 1%. 1% of people respond to direct mail. What do you and I do with direct mail? Most often, punk. Right? Goes in, that, in, in, the, in the trash can. And, and that's what normally happens. And um, it's, it's a little bit more effective on social media because people choose to engage with it. And so that's one of the big reasons we're going down the path of seeing social media and online church as a ministry, not a marketing tool. And so we're going to start using our, our, our social media and our online uh, uh, connection in church, uh, our JCV online as an opportunity to minister, not just market. 
And so we're giving lots of energy and lots of, of, of resource to that. And it's important that we invest in people so that we earn the right to invite. It's important. If we don't do that, we're not going to do that. And I think there's two reasons that people invite people. It's because, one, they've had a great experience. And that's why we need everyone involved, everyone to help us make this a great place to be, and everyone to have a good experience with God. And, and when that happens, then what do you do? You go talk about it, just like your favorite restaurant, just like your favorite hair place, just like your favorite whatever you, whatever you do, your favorite car. And so we, when we get excited about something, we tell people about it. And my prayer, my hope, is that you love Journey, that you love your experience here, and that you're so excited about what you get and what your kids get that you are telling others about it. And when that happens, it becomes a, 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 a full place and we deal with the problem of growth, which is one of the best problems. And it's a great problem to have. And that's, that's what happens when we invite. Acts 1 verse 4 says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in the next series. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They didn't care about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They, came, they cared about Jesus coming and ruling and reigning. And he said to them, a priority. He gave them a priority. He said, that, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, it does not matter when I'm coming back. doesn't matter. What matters when you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What really matters is not when Jesus is coming back, but the fact that there are people who don't know Jesus. And with the power I'm going to give you, the Holy Spirit that's in you is going to be, empower you to be a testimony or a storyteller about what Jesus has done in your life and you're going to lead people to Jesus. That's the priority. In other words, it's our role to invest so that we can invite. We have to invest in people. Invest in the lives and hearts of those that are, are near to us, but maybe far from God. Because we're near to God. And if we're near to God, then we need to bring people near to us. Right? And when we get near to them, then they hopefully will experience the God that we love, the God that makes a difference in our lives. Sometimes we don't live a different life. We just live life differently. We still experience the stuff that goes on in this crazy world, but we go through it with faith and hope and joy and, and experience it very differently than they do. We're the answer. Jesus is the answer. The, the Jesus that's in us is the answer to the world. And if we don't invest, yeah, if we don't invest, then we're probably not inviting. Romans 15, 20, what we call our passion verse, says this, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Then verse 22 is powerful. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. Why? Because I have a priority in my life to share the gospel with others. 
who haven't heard yet, who don't know. Paul was investing his life in the cause of Christ to invite people to Jesus. If we don't invest, we really don't have a right to, to invite. Now, I'm, now, I'm not opposed to um, kind of, you know, throwing a disc, uh, an invite disc down on the, on the uh, table of your restaurant for your server to see or for the, the, uh, <coughs> the table cleaner or busboy or bus person or however that goes anymore. Um, I'm not opposed to that, you know, kind of the ring and run option. Um, here's Jesus, bye. <laughs> at least they get something, but man, what, what a joy it is to just reach out. It, I was at a restaurant the other day with a buddy of mine from, from Washington. We were meeting up, hadn't seen him for years. And uh, the server, um, <clears throat> she was a, a, a nice, very nice person. And I just said, hey, what's going on in your life? And she goes, really? Nothing right now. I said, I had a dream of being a teacher, but I gave that up. And, you know, we took a moment, and I said, hey, God's got a plan for you. I don't know if you even know if she's a Christian. But I said, God's got a plan for you. God's got something. Don't give up on your dream. It sounds like your heart has been broken for some reason, and you've stopped on your dream. And I want you to know that God has a plan for you. And I left it at that. My buddy who's a crazy Christian, he takes it one step further later on. I go use the restroom. He, I come back, and he's standing up talking to her, and he goes, hey, we need to pray. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You just became the weird Christian guy. But it was a very special moment. It was really cool. And we invested in this young lady's life for just a moment and prayed with her, tears coming down her eyes. You guys, people want that. Some people don't, and they'll laugh and, you know, at your face. So what? They're wrong. We're right. Come on. <clears throat> we have to invest to invite. And when we do, God is going to bless that. And when we start inviting, believe it or not, people are going to come with you. People are going to see Jesus in you. And they're going to follow the Jesus you serve. And they're going to be blessed. So I believe in not having a Super Bowl party here. But I believe you should have one in your home. And I believe you should invite your neighbors. I believe you should either have one or attend one. Even if you don't care about football. There are people out there that do. And go do what they do. Be what they Have a good time. Enjoy. And, and, and celebrate. And sh bring Jesus into the context of this world. And when we do, you're investing and inviting them to see the Jesus that you serve and love. Amen? 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 We have to invest in serving. We have to invest in inviting. And lastly, we have to invest in tithing and generosity. In tithing and generosity. And I realize as soon as I say tithing, as soon as I say generosity, as soon as I say money, it's like, whoa. Everything gets kind of crazy. I'm not afraid to talk about it because the Bible talks about it over 2,000 times. And if the Bible talks about it, I talk about it. You just need to know that. Okay? You just need to know that. But these, this is essential to a growing church, is tithing. And here's why. Not because of money, but because of maturity and faith. And I'll say this right off the top. If you learn to tithe, 
you learn to trust. If you don't learn to tithe, you'll never learn to trust. God. God. I'm, I'm just saying God. Not the church. Not Pastor Ricardo. Not anything. You, you will not learn to trust God if you don't learn to tithe. And I'm bold about that. That's a reality. That's a fact. That's, uh, you know, th- that's just the way it works. And, and let, me, let me give you some scripture to kind of think about that. Proverbs 3.9 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will, be brim, uh, will brim over with new wine. Then, there, that, that word is so important in this passage of scripture because the faith has to come before the blessing. The blessing doesn't come before the faith. Most of us say, if, when I can afford it, I will give or I will tithe. Here's a powerful statement that you need to hear, that you need to understand from the two different kinds of people that give and have learned to tithe. All tithers give the testimony that they are blessed. And all the non-tithers give the testimony that they can't afford to tithe. Can I say that again? It's getting really quiet in here. I get it. I understand it. But I'm not going to apologize for what the Bible promises. All tithers give the testimony that they are blessed. And all non-tithers give the testimony that they can't afford to tithe. Let me put it in a different context in Malachi chapter 3. It says, I the Lord do not change. That's a blessing right there. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. This is Israel. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And then God answers, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. He didn't say bring some of the tithe. He didn't say bring what you could afford. He didn't say bring part of it. Um, I know you're going through a tough time. Bring some of it. He said bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church or the temple. In In that context, it's the temple. In this context, it's the church. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, that there may be the ability of the house, of the the body, of the church, to feed itself and to feed others, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, God says. This is the only place in Scripture where God says, put me to the test. Try it. Test me says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your, in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all, nation, all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. All tithers give the testimony that they are blessed. All non-tithers give the testimony that they can't afford to tithe. Tithers have 
all of their other belongings, everything protected. Did you hear that? And see if I don't over, open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such blessing that there will, be no, not, that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. In other words, when we tithe, God sets a protection around the rest and, and it doesn't go away. I mean, for many of us, we're like, I have more month than money, right? Something's devouring the crop. Something's making the, the, the grapes drop before they're ripe. It's something's ruining everything. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. But God says, if we tithe, it will, he will protect the crops. He will protect them from being devoured by pests and the vines and the grapes from dropping off before. And he says, then all nations will call you blessed. There's another then. The then is the, is the ticket, right? Because the action of faith has to come before the action of the miracle, the blessing. Now, I want to make sure that we understand that we're not, um, we're not trying to create a culture of getting. We're not trying to create a culture of, I'll give so that I get. We're investing in the kingdom. When tithing, it's robbing God. It belongs to God. The tithe does. I know it's quiet. Anybody want to amen that? Okay, just checking. You either fell asleep, you're under deep conviction, or you're holding on tight to that wallet. I heard somebody, a pastor one time say, um, the best way to take an offering is to have everybody stand up and uh, take the wallet next to you and give what you think that person should give. <laughs> we won't do that. God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of giving. And when we do, there's something that God does that's so powerful. I've said this before and I'll say it again is that I've, I've tithed all my Christian life. I was not taught a lot of this when I became a Christian, but for whatever reason, I started tithing, and I've never stopped. And I've never regretted it. I've not always had all the money in the world, but my clothes lasted beyond their style. <laughs> Unfortunately. You might be wearing some jeans that don't belong in the, night, in the 2023. They belong in the 1990s. But man, can you imagine how God has protected that crop? Or the car that you're driving? Whatever it may be, God does something that keeps us in a healthy place. And that's the blessing. That's the blessing, but that blessing is the idea of giving and worshiping God. When we worshiped this morning, it's not about what we were receiving, but what God was receiving. That praise, that honor, and then he floods the place with his presence and makes a difference in our lives, you guys. 
This is what happens with giving. This is what happens with tithing. And I'm making no apologies to help you understand that tithing belongs to God. If you are not tithing, the Bible is clear. You are robbing God. I know that's hard. And I know you're thinking, oh, I can't afford it. Remember, all tithers give the testimony that they are blessed and all non-tithers give the testimony that they can't afford it. It's amazing how it works. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. When we give and we give generously, no matter what the measure, that measure comes back. And quite often, and I, I used to live on a farm, and I, I saw how much wheat we put in the ground, and I saw how much wheat came out of the ground. There's a whole lot more wheat that comes out of the ground when you're, when you're, when you're gutsy enough to sow it into the ground. But if you're saying, ah, I got to feed my face, I got to feed my family, I got to feed myself, and we hold back the grain and pour only just a little bit into the ground, you're not going to get much out of it. But if we say, God, I'm going to give you all of my, I'm going to give generously. And generosity, by the way, is above the tithe. Because generosity isn't the tithe. You give 10% of your income, and that sounds like a lot, but you give 10% of your income, that's what belongs to God. That's what the tithe means, a tenth. And I could take you through a whole theological study of this. And, and there, actually, there's a book I want to recommend to you called The Blessed Life. And it's a great book. And I think it explains it so well and so clear. But I'd be more than happy to meet with any of you about the tithe because I believe that it's not just an Old Testament thing, it's a New Testament thing. It's a before the Old Testament became the Old Testament and before even the law became law, people were tithing and showing that that's the natural expression of what God deserves and what belongs to God. God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of getting. Are we giving? Sorry. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're not tithing, start tithing. It's going to rearrange your financial life. It might even rearrange your, your lifestyle. But watch what happens when you do. Your trust level is going to go way up. And first, your prayer level is going to go way up. You're going to be going, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I pray. And it's going to be amazing because pretty soon your trust level is going to go up as you see God meet your needs, as you see God help you through the difficult times of challenge and, and financial challenge or whatever it may be. And then he does what he does when, he, when we tithe. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. He pours out the blessing. And you may not have a huge cash flow, but you might have a 2001 car that's running really well. Okay? All right. No amens there. <laughs> Few people ask the question, why are all these good things happening to me? Have you ever, you ever noticed that? Very few people ask that question. Why are all these good things happening to me? Most of us ask, why are all these bad things happening to me? 
And, and here's the, the difference between an investor and a non-investor is I, I look at all the people that invested in Starbucks and invested in Microsoft, and I can look at them and go, I'm jealous of you because you have all that cash. And they can look at me and go, well, you should have invested. <laughs> and I can look at them and say, why did that good happen to them and why isn't it happening to me? And, I, and they could say, well, we invested and you didn't. And what I desire and what I hope and I pray for you and for me as a church is that we would experience the blessing of investing. Investing in serving and giving ourselves and our time and our talent to the Lord because that's what God has designed us to do, to serve Him with our gifts, with our abilities, to invest in inviting. That's what God has empowered us to do through the Holy Spirit, putting the Holy Spirit in us. Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to be a testimony, a story to this world. And what God is calling us to do and is requiring us of us is our tithe and our, our generosity. And when we do that, He pours out His blessing on us. This is all about what's good for us. Not just that we reap, not just that we get, but when we give and we give to the kingdom, God pours out His blessing on His church. Where are all these good things happening to me because we've invested in the places God wants us to invest because we put in what will grow out and when we do we it 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 multiplies one little seed and and 50 kernels of wheat on that one little plant out of one little seed you guys that's what God wants for us that's what God wants to lead us into is a life of blessing not just more, but more to give, more to do, more for the kingdom. He gives so that we can bless. One, one cliche way of saying it is we're blessed to bless others. And when that happens, it's powerful, it's awesome. It's an investment that we can cap, uh, pass on to our kids as we teach them. So are you invested do people look at your lives and go, man, they are so into their faith. Man, they're so into their church. Man, they're so into everything because they're so invested. They're invested in me because they, they, they spend time with me. Even though I don't go to their church, even though I don't believe in their God, they invest in me. They invite me. They serve me. They give. Serving. Join a crew. Get on the app. Join a crew. Start serving. Invite people who are near to God need to invite people who are far from God and tithe. Start there. If you're not there, start because you will not regret it. You will not regret it. The Bible is true and worth putting your faith into. And generosity, go above that. If you are tithing, I would encourage you, look at 2%, two, 2%, 5% more and see what God does. When he blesses and he returns to us the generous generosity that we express to him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you've invested in us. You put people in our, our paths to uh, invest in our lives. Lord, I thank you for people who invested in me, the Krugers and the Dabneys and the, the, the different people throughout my, my whole lifetime that have spoken into my life, that have loved me, that have shown me so many different things that are, are 
uh, such a blessing. And Lord, I pray that you bless them richly for the investments they've made in my life. I pray that you give them hope. And Lord, I thank you for the generosity of people that just continue to, to pour out. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do a great work in all of us right now to convict us to invest, to give of ourselves, to give of our, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Lord, I believe that you want us to invest in serving. I believe that you want us to invest in people who are far from you. I, I believe, Lord, that you want us to invest in the kingdom financially and through our tithes and through our offerings and our generosity. Lord, I pray right now that you just work in us as a church to invest. And when we do, Lord, we believe that you are going to do great things. Great things in the lives of every individual who's obedient to you. Every person who gets involved is going to be blessed. And Lord, you are going to bless your church to be effective in this kingdom. And in this world that you desire us to change and to affect and to bring people to you. Lord, give us the power to make a difference in this world as we invest in you. We give you thanks and praise, and Lord, I pray right now for the decisions and the choices that are made this, this next pay period or this next time we're working on our calendar to see how we can get involved or this next person that we meet that doesn't know Jesus. Lord, I pray that those decisions, that those, pay, those times, Lord, would, would just be led and guided by your Spirit in the name of Jesus. We give you our calendars in the name of Jesus, we give you our relationships. In the name of Jesus, we give you our pocketbooks. And God, we determine to glorify you in everything we do and say. I pray this in Jesus' name. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that's the very first step. That's the very first choice you can make in changing your life and seeing that God has loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross that you could have your sins forgiven, that he rose again the third day so that you could have eternal life with him. And we must commit to follow him for the rest of our lives. If that's you here today and you say, I want to follow Jesus, I want to make a commitment to follow God, will you just pray this simple prayer? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner and I've made mistakes and I pray that you forgive me of my sins and I will repent of them. I will turn away from them and walk towards you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for dying on a cross and thank you for letting me be completely clean today. I believe that you were raised from the dead and I thank you for the promise of eternal life and I look forward to spending eternity with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.